Welcome to another impactful message from Cornerstone Church, where we truly believe there is one hope for every heart, Jesus Christ. If you'd like to check out more resources or view video of this sermon, visit us online at cornerstonerome.com. So I'm going to share today the last message in this series, and this is a series that we did called Simply Christmas, okay? And today I'm going to share with you a little history. So you're going to, if you're not a history person, like, oh man, I don't, you know, just hang tight. I'm going to, it'll make sense, but I've got to share it to, with you in order to make sense of this message. But I want to talk to you today about a little bit about expectations. Now, I don't know if you got what you were expecting to get for Christmas. Christmas is a weird season. Right before it happens, it's high social, emotional, soul-feeling time. It's either exhaustion from shopping, people are there, Christmas, there are people, it's all kind of buzz, buzz, buzz. When it's over, it is a tremendous bottom. Do you understand what I'm saying? I know it represents Jesus. Put Jesus aside for a moment. Just little baby Jesus in his manger. I'm not taking away from him. I'm talking about the, the season itself. Christmas is a very emotional season. And afterwards, it's like, boom. Oh, man, there's no more ham. There's no more food. No one's bringing anything over. No one's coming over. Presents are open. Now what are we going to do? Oh, it's the new year. Let's get ready for the new year. And if you're not careful, it's like this super high and boom, bottom out. It's a very emotional season. And it's very emotional, especially if you didn't get what you thought you would get. Like I always love these TV commercials that come on. I've never had this happen. And if it's happened to you, I'd love to talk to you and, and see how this works out. But the, the commercials on TV, have you ever seen it where like the couple, they're in the kitchen and they wake up on Christmas morning and they're in matching pajamas. I mean, her hair is all pretty. She's got makeup on. She's all just got everything. It seems like all the cookies are made. Breakfast is ready. He, the guy's there. He's all slim and trim. Got a perfect shave. Got the cool chin line, you know. And they're there in perfect little matching pajamas. And he says, honey, I got you something for Christmas. It's matching bracelets. One's red and one's black. You know? And then she looks at him and she goes, I got you something too. I got us matching things to come outside. And they go outside, open the door, they look at there and oh my gosh, it's new cars. It's a red one and a black one. Honey, I got it for you. And it's got a red bow on it too. You know, like who has time, first of all, to do that? But second of all, to wrap it with a red bow. And then the kids come out too and they're in the matching pajamas and they're all, nothing's on them. They're a hollow awake and everybody's happy. No one's fighting. No bows are going, no one's getting mad, but everybody's like, let's go get in the car. That is the biggest facade. You know it. I don't know of anybody that has ever had that happen. If it has, talk to me. I want to see how it worked out because maybe I got some ideas. You know, like I can hint, hint, hint or something. I don't know. But expectations are super high. And if you were one of those people where you thought that was going to happen, I'm sorry. I hate it for you. Maybe they'll buy you a Hot Wheels and just put it in your, you know, drawer or something. But expectations are, they're funny. You know, you can build up expectations in your own mind about what you think someone should do. And when they don't do it, you can be offended at at them. And this person has no idea of the expectations that you have for them. You, You can have expectations. People can have expectations of you. Like they expect you to do certain things. And then when you don't do that, they can be offended at you. And now you're wondering, what did I do? How did I, how did I get 
in this situation. I didn't do anything to you. But because you failed to meet their expectations, they're frustrated or they're offended at you. It's not a fair thing to put on people or for them to put it on you, but it happens. Expectations are a weird thing. It's one of those things where you really have to watch because if not careful, you'll fall into the trap of trying to meet other people's expectations when they are not your own expectations. We fall in this trap all the time. Well, they want me to be there to do this, so I guess I should because they, well, what do you want to do? Do you have any desire whatsoever to do that? Well, no, I hate it. Then why are you going? Because they want me to go. Expectations. Doing it just to fulfill other people's expectations is no worse than someone putting the expectations on you to begin with. But it happens to all of us. The worst type of expectations, though, that we have are the ones that we put on God. And when he doesn't come through for us, we get offended at God. That's why Jesus said, blessed are they who are not offended at me. It means he can preach a word and people will get offended. People can pray and they don't get their answer and people get offended. Expectations that we put on God and he doesn't come through for us, we can get offended at God. And you may look at me this morning with those pretty little Christian eyes and act like you have never had that happen and I'm just as holy as it can be and you would be lying through your teeth. Every one of you. That's why Garth Brooks wrote a song called I Thank God for Unanswered Prayers because stuff doesn't come through like you think it should sometimes. And it's a weird dynamic, but the goal is to not be offended at God because I didn't get my car in the driveway with a pretty bow on it. Don't be offended at God. Let me give you the reason I'm sharing that with you because in the time of Christ when he was born, everyone had expectations for the Messiah. Everyone. And I'm going to share a little history with you, but you're going to have to bear with me. The expectation for Jesus being born during that time was fever pitch. It's not like us today where you are here today and you've heard the, the preachers and you've heard people say, he's coming again, right? Everybody's kind of heard this before. Jesus is coming back. Raise your hand if you've heard this before. Yet, and I'm going to make sure I tell you right now. He is coming back. <laughs> he's coming back. And the Bible's declared this and everybody's said it and everybody thinks, well, he's been too long. The Bible says he's waiting for the precious fruit of the earth. He's waiting for salvation. There's two something billion, maybe three billion people who have never heard of the gospel or have never converted to Christ. He's waiting on those conversions. He's waiting for people to turn. He's not coming back until the Lord says it's time for him to come back. We're in a bit of a, a dilemma because here in the Old Testament, they were expecting Jesus to be born during our Christmas season, if you will. That's the dates we use. It might have been, or people get off on all that. It doesn't matter. They knew the dates better than we did. The season was right. They knew he was alive during that time. The thing is this. They just didn't know where he was. The beautiful thing about that is they could predict when he was going to be alive. You can't predict when Jesus is coming back. No matter what your favorite guy says, no matter how many times they say this, and I swear every year there's some other guy that's got a number for you. It's a 2020. It's going to be a this. It's a something there. It's going to be a that. Jesus come, it's just, Jesus said, it's in red, no man shall know the time or the day of the return of the Son of Man except for the Father. He's the one that says, go. Jesus doesn't even know. 
Now you say, well, how is that possible? Because he's yielding that to God. There is the respect there that's saying, Lord, I, God, I trust you. When you're ready, I'll go. But he's ready now. I mean, he'd come back right now. If the if Lord would say go, he'd be ready. He wouldn't argue and say, no. Nah. You know, listen, he shed his blood. Don't think he's not ready to come back. He's ready to come back. But you can't predict it. And all kind of people say, well, there's times, seasons. You should know. Yeah, the times see it. But the Bible says, Jesus said, also it should be like the days of Noah. When the Son of Man returns, it'll be like the days of Noah. There will be marrying, buying and selling of goods, business as usual, right up to the day of his return. That's the way it's going to be. You're not going to know. You're going to think you will know. You're not going to know. No matter how many you know, boards we can put up there, I'm going to show you a timeline. No matter how many things we give you, nobody knows when he's coming back. But watch this. They all knew when he would be born. And it wasn't a mystery. The Bible gave the dates. So when I tell you they were expecting, it would be the equivalent of me saying to you, if God had given us the dates, Jesus is coming back in January 2020, you'd be like, oh, man, I'm not just going to fast. I'm going to fast. You, you, everything would change if you knew he's come back next month, wouldn't it? Let's be honest. Yes, it would. But look at me like, well, no, I'm, no, you're not. There are things you would change right now. You'd probably be on your face. Well, he's coming back next month. We need to pray. Shut up. Pastor, let's pray right now. You know, that's what we would be. We'd freak out. They knew of the dates and the times, not just the seasons. They knew he was alive. Now, I'll give you a couple of verses to, to point this out to you. In Luke 3.15, the scriptures say this. I'll put it on the screen for you here. Everyone was what? Expecting the Messiah to come soon. And they were eager to know whether John might be the Messiah. They looked at John and thought he was him. Why would they do that? Because they knew he was alive. They just didn't know who he was. You know, in Luke 2.25, there's a guy named Simeon. Most people believe... Um, I think he was a priest. I think he was in the priesthood. I believe he might not have been in the upper areas. Maybe he was a prophet. Maybe he was a priest. I think he was up in the, I believe he was in some form of ministry. But Simeon, Luke 2, 25, it says this. I'm going to get to you the message. Listen to what he says. It says, in Jerusalem, at the time, there was this man named Simeon by the name, a good man, a man who lived in the prayerful uh, expectancy. There's that word again, expectancy of help for Israel. And the Holy Spirit was on him. He was expectant. That Jesus would be there. Let me give you a note that this is a prophetess named Anna. In Luke, it's just a few verses later, Luke 36. Now Luke chapter 2, verse 36. Now I'm going to give you something about her. In case you think, well, you know, I'm of the age where maybe God can't use me. Let me tell you something about this lady. She lost her husband after about seven years of marriage. She lived, the Bible declares, she lived for many years. Over 80 plus years as a widow. Now, you do the math. If you read it, you think, well, she's only 80-something. That's not what, no, that's not what it says. She lived as a widow for over 80-something years. If you count the fact that her husband was married to her seven, let's call her eight, 87. She probably didn't get married until she was maybe 14 if it was around Mary's age. That's very common in their culture. I believe she's well over 100. This lady was still at church, praying, prophesying, doing ministry. So don't let anybody tell you. Well, your age is, well, maybe you're just getting too old to do something. Bologna. Bologna sandwich mustard. It's not true. You can do anything God gives you to do. This lady was prophesying, I believe, over 100 years in the church. I think that's awesome. I mean, if you've got gray hair, you ought to be like, hey, man, pop the clutch. That's awesome. That is awesome to me. 
But listen to this. This is Anna. And, and listen to what God gave her. It says she's a prophet. She's also there in the temple. She was the daughter of Daniel from the tribe of Asher. And it says this, that she was very old. But you understand why now what it said. I mean, you know. Her husband died when they had been married only seven years. Now you see the math I'm giving you, right? They lived, she lived with a widow to the age of 84. She never left the temple, but stayed there day and night. Day and night. She worshiped God with fasting and with prayer. <coughs> now listen, what was she doing? The Bible says this, that she was there pre- prophesying over and expecting God to rescue Israel. They're all expecting. Why would they be? You don't see, now there's some people that, that get into this. You know, he's coming back, he's coming back, and they don't buy a house. They're afraid to buy anything. They're afraid to eat anything. They don't do anything. They just sit around all day and just talk about Jesus is coming, and they don't do anything with their lives. There are some people like that. But I'm just telling you, based on what the Bible says, you're wasting your time for God if you just sit around in your house and pray and just say, well, he's coming back, he's coming back. You don't do anything with your life. God didn't call us to sit around the house and just be afraid he's coming back. The, the Christians are not supposed to be afraid of his return. We're supposed to get out there and be positive and be doing things and, and expecting his return and not be afraid of his return. You know, we're not in fear of that. But in this case right here, they were expecting. Why were they so expecting? So let me read this scripture and I'll give you the little history lesson here. But this is from Daniel 9.25. And I do understand when I read this, I, let me just say this before I read all this. I do understand there are a couple of different, and I'm going to give you the t- couple of different variances, okay? Um, I have my own belief about it, and I'll share it with you. But mine could be wrong. It, it could be. I'm a guy. I'm a human. I could be wrong. It's a slim chance, but I could be wrong. <laughs> I studied it enough where I feel pretty confident in it, but I can understand why some people think the way they do about this Scripture. And I also understand this, that this is used a lot of times for end times prophecy. That is not my goal here. So don't hear me today and go and try to interpret what I'm saying for the future. I'm not. I'm trying to give you something that happened in the past that the people during Jesus' time were expecting for. I'm using Old Testament calendaring right here. I'm not looking into the future, the four horsemen, the sea, the dragon, the lady in red, whatever. I am not doing any of that. I'm talking about Old Testament timeline, okay? So Daniel 9, 25, listen to what the Scriptures say. He says, now listen and understand. Now, that tells me if he says to listen and understand, then we can understand. Right? Okay. So listen and understand. There's seven sets of seven plus 62 sets of seven. Now, we don't talk like that. I don't know if anybody goes around and says, hey, I'll see you at seven sets of seven after seven. What? Yeah. So this first, let me just so you understand the numbers. Seven sets of seven is 49. It's just seven times seven. The next number is 62 times 7. That's 434. That's all it is. Very simple, right? There. See, you learn something right there. If you don't get anything else today, you learn how to read this one little verse right there. It's fine. But listen to what he says. This amount of time is going to pass from the time the command is given to rebuild Jerusalem. This was the time of Nehemiah. This is a prophetic word of Daniel, but he's prophesying from Gabriel. Gabriel's an angel that gave the message to Mary as well. He's also given a message to Daniel. He's saying, Daniel... Give this word, give this prophetic word, let people understand this is the time that's going to pass. When Nehemiah sets his face to say to the king, I need to go back to Jerusalem and rebuild the walls. At that moment, when the command is given, 
this timeline kicks in. Do you understand? Don't overlook the, it's not a complex, don't look at the complex stuff. Don't think about all this stuff, just timeline around, just numbers. As soon as that command was given for Nehemiah, yes, you can go rebuild the wall, boom, this timeline kicked in. And he says, this timeline starts from the command which is given to rebuild Jerusalem until a ruler, the anointed one, comes. Jerusalem will be rebuilt with streets and strong defenses despite the perilous times. After this period of 62 sets of seven, that's the 434 years, the anointed one will be killed, appearing to have accomplished nothing. And a ruler will arise whose armies will destroy the city and the temple. And the end will come with a flood, or one translation reads it more like this, it will come over you like a flood. Because if you're, Jerusalem's up on a mountain, it's not a flood coming there like that. It, the, the enemy will overtake you like a flood. And war and its miseries are decreed from that time to the very end. Now, you understand, Israel's been in a constant fight with somebody. Not necessarily they're doing, but they're constantly having to deal with and defend themselves, aren't they? Constantly. That's been going on since the end of the destruction of the temple. They've been constantly fighting. Even since they got the country back, they've been fighting. Now, I'll share that with you because I want you to see something. What does this have to do with expectation? I want you to hear this, okay? So <clears throat> let me put this time on up, and, you know, Joey had to help me with it because mine was way too small. So you guys will put that on the screen so you can see it, guys. <clears throat> I want you to see, just so you can see this timeline, okay? This is the time over here on this side, 444. Daniel's prophecy from Gabriel was over here, hundreds of years before, okay? So now Nehemiah is saying, King, my city is in ruins. I need to go back and rebuild it. And the king gave him favor to do so, which is a miracle in itself. He's, at that moment, Gabriel says that timeline kicks in right there. He begins to rebuild the wall in 444 B.C. That kicks in that 483 years, if you will, that Gabriel gave to Daniel. Now, I know there's another seven on the backside. I get it. I'm not getting into that right now. Don't, I, that's not my, my goal. But you get, you get right here to the year zero. Now, the problem with us is our calendars are just different. We use a Gregorian calendar. I mean, we're like spot on. That's why when you see the alternate and things, the, the, the Hebrews used a lunar calendar. When you see Easter is why it rotates. You ever wonder why, you know, for us at church, it drives us nuts when, they, when Easter falls and they schedule spring break right during Easter. It drives me nuts because I'm like, you know, come on. But it's not anybody's necessarily fault. It's that Easter floats. Have you ever noticed it's not the first Sunday in April? It floats. It could be over here. Next year, it's like over here. Why can't it sit still, you know? Why is it moving around so much? Why can't it just be December 25th, just boom, lock it in? It's because that's not what the Hebrews used. And Jesus was Jew. And we go by their system, not ours. And so because of that, even on the timeline of where it says zero, most scholars believe he was born about 5, maybe 8 B.C. The timeline's off some. It is awesome. That's why I say I have my own beliefs and I can share them with you. But I recognize the timeline can be off because this is over 2,500 years ago. But for them, it was only about 500 years. And you think about all the dates that we know. If I had just said it right now, when did Columbus sail the ocean blue? Uh, how, uh, 
y'all know it right there, 1490. Now, you know that date because it's been recorded, and that's been a while back. We know when the Declaration of Independence was signed. We know when the certain wars happened. We know all this history and dates and timelines. Why? Because it's only been a couple of hundred years back. It's no different with them. This timeline went forward, and watch this. The years are left right up here. This time went on for about 39 years. Most scholars say Jesus crucified around up to 33, could be 27 A.D. Nonetheless, you can see why they were expecting him to be born. If Daniel's prophecy is true, this time is running out. And they're going to right about the time of this little green box where it's 0 A.D. Right about in there, they're looking because the time is running out. Now, for us, I believe it was much shorter. I believe they knew within six months to a year when he would be born because that's how close I think it really is. But again, I'm giving back because I could be wrong. There's a, I think I could narrow it down to about six months to a year, I think, based on what history of the Jew. But I understand because today we got the Internet. Lord, help us all. We can Google anything. And every guy out there has got his own theory. And they've all put it. And if it's on the Internet, it must be true. <laughs> you know, it used to be when everything was on the TV. Our parents said, well, not everything you see on TV is real. Now we have to tell our kids, not everything you see on the Internet is real. And it's really, it's really not real, you know, there. I mean, if you Google Wikipedia and you think because it's on Wikipedia it's real, that's, you're wrong. That's some guy in the basement typing stuff. Understand that. If you use it, confirm it because it isn't all real. Anyway, so I'm going to give an 11-year window of whether it could be 11 years over here or 11 years back over here. Either way, watch this. Everybody in this room, if I told you, based on his word, if there was a scripture that said, Jesus is going to be here, and I told you, we know it within 11 years, he's going to be here. Would you not, as that time reduced down, would it not change your expectancy? You would be on high alert. That's exactly what happened with them. They were all expectant. They were all believe- he's He's alive somewhere. We just can't find him. Why do you think Herod was so torn up? Oh, bring the baby to me. Let me see him. Let me worship him too. Because he had his own scholars that said to him, this is the evil people. He's alive. We think that's him. Why do you think he murdered all those kids two years and under? He didn't do it because he had a... People say he did it because he had some kind of an inferiority complex. He just in a bad mood one day. No, he did it because he knew Messiah was alive. Now, today's culture, it amazes me how someone can alter the course of human history so much like Jesus Christ. And now, today, people want to alter the numbers and say, well, the B.C., the A.D. is no longer politically correct now our kids are being taught. Now you got to say now it's the common era before the common era. We don't want to offend anybody. It's not offending anybody. It's just foolish. Because let me tell you why. Your date that you have today, starting next year, a new decade of 2020. Do you realize why you have 2020? It's because of Jesus. The words themselves. The, the people then, they didn't do this on year zero. They did it around 500 A.D. They recognized the significance of what took place, and they changed the calendar. Who else do you know has had that happen? 
I don't know if anybody that said, um, we're changing the dates because of me. Nobody. The words, let me just read, put them on the screen for you. B.C., that means in case you've never heard this before, we say the terms, Christians say, before Christ, after death. <clears throat> it's not really what they mean, what the first one is, but the second one not. But B.C., it's Latin. Let me read to you here. It's antichristium natum. It means before the birth of Christ. That's what the word B.C. means. The people in the culture, he changed the calendar so much, they had to say before Christ. And the word A.D. simply means, this will put this on for you as well. The word A.D. is anno. Uh, Domini, which is in the year of our Lord. One turns in the year of the Lord, but we say in the year of our Lord. The whole calendar was changed because of Jesus. You don't think they didn't know he was there? I mean, the baby in a manger is a beautiful scene, but I'm telling you, they were watching for him. They were wanting to find him because they knew he was alive. And what, was, what were they expecting? I share all of that to get to this part right here. What were they expecting? Well, if you read anything about history, you would know this. You can read the writings of Josephus, who's not a believer. You can read the Roman history and find the different uh, antiquities you know, of Israel. You'll find different things that are written down proving this point. You'll find that the Romans destroyed, as Daniel said they would, an enemy would come like a flood and destroy all of their region. The Romans destroyed Israel in 70 AD, destroyed the temple. I mean, it's just, it's still to this day, it's unimaginable what the Romans did. They, they just stamped out everything. Daniel said that was going to happen. They all recognized, even after his death, oh my goodness, he, he was the Messiah. What have we done? What did we... Oh, my goodness. Can you imagine that? And here's why many of them did not believe, because you know what they were looking for? Their expectancy was a king, a ruler. Because the Bible said he would be a ruler and a king, but they misunderstood what the Bible said about him. They thought he would come in and destroy and kick the Romans out of their city. So their their expectancy of Jesus was this. He's going to fight for me. He's going to beat up the Romans. He's going to kick them out of town, and I'm going to be happy. And instead, he came like a baby. He gave his life for the forgiveness of sins. Their expectancy was here, but the reality of who he was was here. And they missed who he was all because of what? Their expectation. Now, here's what I want you to hear this morning about this. All of us have different expectations about God. But I would caution all of us to make sure that your expectation about God is really biblical. <clears throat> I mean, we all would love to get a red bolt and two new cars at Christmas. On, that would be cool. That, I ain't going to lie to you. I ain't going to make it. That'd be awesome. I'd be like, what? I'll just take a picture. I might even put that on Facebook or something. I mean, I don't do it a whole lot, but I might put that on just like, look at this. That'd be awesome. But if that's what I'm expecting my God to do and he doesn't come through, actually what I'm doing is I'm affecting my faith in God because I'm putting it in something he really didn't promise me. If I put my expectation in his word, then I won't be let down as much. If I put my expectation in who he is, then I won't be let down as much. I'll give you a couple of verses of scripture about 
about this thought. The disciples. Listen to the expectation about these guys. In Mark 4.38, Jesus was sleeping at the back of the boat with his head in a cushion. The disciples woke him up shouting, Teacher, don't you care that we're going to drown? They expected to drown. And Jesus says, He rebuked the wind and said to the waves, Silence and be still. And suddenly there was a great calm. They expected to perish. Jesus expected to rest. Um, think about it. How many times when things don't go your way, you're like, but Jesus, help me. I don't you understand what's going on. I'm drowning. It's like a Muppet. I know my, my voice is gone. Like, <clears throat> but like, you know, help us, help us. And then we're, and he's over going like, you know, why are you freaking out? Like I had my head in a pillow over here. I was cool. You can't, what? I can, why are you, why are you so wound up? I can fix this. No, let me give a couple others. What about Naaman? I always love this about Naaman. This guy in 2 Kings 5.10, I'll read it to you real quickly. Listen to this. But Elisha sent a messenger out to Naaman with this message. Naaman wanted Elisha to come out. Now, you understand, he's a big wig. When he called, he expected him to come on out. Are you the senior prophet? Come on out and see me. I need to be healed of leprosy. He says, go and wash yourself seven times in the Jordan, and then your skin will be restored, and you'll be healed of your leprosy. But Naaman got angry, and I love this. He stalked. That means he pouted. That means he crossed his hands like this and did like a two-year-old. That's what he did. Can you believe this? A senior guy in the military, and he's stomping out the door. That's such a big wuss, you know? Can't believe he'd do that. And everybody's probably laughing at him, but that's what he did. Why? Because he expected something else. What do you mean the prophet won't come out and see me? What's more important that the prophet comes sees you or that you get healed? See, sometimes we overlook words that God gives us because we expect them to come in a different way. We expect sometimes that things, well, this is the way it should happen. Pastor Jody should have a word for me, and that's how I know God will speak. Well, what if God don't want to do it that way? What if God speaks to you in a different way? What if somebody in our church just walks by you, and they stop and say, hey, how are you doing? Hey, I'm good. How are you? Hey, my name is so-and-so. Hey, I just want to let you know I was praying, and the Lord told me to encourage you in this. What if God would do that? Because what's more important that we hear from God or hear from a man? Expectations. Here's another. Let me give you one more. Paul, 2 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 8. It says, we think you ought to know, dear brothers and sisters, about the trouble we went through in the province of Asia. If Paul went through trouble, guess what? I bet you and I will have a little too. It says, we were crushed and overwhelmed beyond our ability to endure, and we thought we would never live through it. In fact, we expected to die. But as a result, we stopped relying on ourselves and learned to rely on God only who raises the dead. Listen, they expected fully to die. But Paul, he had to learn to rely on God instead. My point sharing this, a couple of these scriptures and let you understand. These folks expected Jesus to be born, but they thought he was going to come with an iron fist and rule. And they were wrong. And I wonder sometimes after Christmas, where are our expectations? If we didn't get what God wanted to give us, or if we didn't get what we thought God should give us, or if God didn't come through for us like we thought he should, and it's been six months, where is God at? Where, the question really would be is, where are we at? Do I still trust the Lord? Even though I don't get what it is I think he should do for me. Do I still have faith in God even when 
what I prayed for didn't come to pass. You know, Job said a few interesting statements, and I'm not trying to build a theology on Job because this is a little all over the map, you know. But listen, when you're going through difficult times, you kind of get all over the map. People act like they got it all together and like, they got, I got faith and everything's fine and everything's great. And it's weird to me, I'll be honest. Because I've been through some stuff and I go, listen, your emotions are like this. And then you're reading the Bible, yes, I'm supposed to have faith, I'm supposed to trust, and I'm praying and all that stuff. But you're still, is it not true your emotions are like this? Of course it is. Why do you think the Psalms wrote the things he wrote? That's why he had to tell himself, man, be still, oh, my soul. Why? Because my soul's gone off the rails. Bless the Lord, oh, my what? Soul and all that is within me. Why? Because my soul is like, my mind's trying to figure it out. What should I do? What should I do? What should I do? My spirit's saying we should pray, we should pray, we should pray. And my body's going like, I'm stressed, I'm stressed. The cortisol's stressed. No, I'm all about. I need need to go see the doctor. I have a heart attack, pet attack. What am I having? I don't know. That's because why? Because that's your soul. But you got to, what? We have to get that thing, wrap around it and say no. Bless the Lord. Oh, my soul and all that is within me, I will bless his holy name. Even if God has not given me my little red bow and whatever I thought would be in the front yard this year. Bless the Lord on my soul, even if he hasn't come through for me yet. Job said it like this, and I'm not trying to build a theology on Job. But Job said, even if he were to slay me, yet will I trust him. Now, I'm wrapping up with this thought, and I just want you to think about this for a moment. That might be one of the most profound statements in Scripture. Because people with great faith will say things like, you shouldn't say that. If you're a real man or woman of faith, you would never say those words. Job did. And everything was restored to him. Now, granted, he lost a lot. He lost everything. God restored back to him. And the Scripture is very clear about this. It wasn't God doing the hurt. The enemy came in. Israel was hurt pretty bad during this season. After Messiah's death, they were destroyed by the Romans. But God has restored unto them again. Today, the majority of your medicine has probably come out of Israel. The technology that you enjoy so much, majority of it, is not coming from China. They're putting it together. It's probably from Israel. I mean, they got stuff working on that you don't even think you know about. They probably got stuff that runs on water right now. Who knows what all they got going on over there? The majority of some of the stuff I listen to uh, I listen to these different podcasts and stuff, and I listen to some variety of things. But I was just one the other day about movie producers and directors. Steven Spielberg, one of the most acclaimed directors in all of film history, is a Jew. I was looking down where we're standing at right now. I was looking down in, in Lindell in, in the mill that was started. Do you realize that it started there by Jews? Do you realize that the majority of the things that you've seen, no, much of it, God used a Jew? To get it off the ground. Not everything, but a lot. God has restored much more than it was ever stolen from them. But here's the thing I want to leave with you today. It is possible 
to lose that thought and that heart when our expectations say, where is God in this moment? So I want to encourage you today. So our worship team comes up. I want to encourage you today. We're going to take a time we always do and pray and sing and have a time of worship. I want to encourage you to take a moment here and really ask yourself this question and think about it. If there have been some things that did not come through for you like you thought it would. And just be honest. Listen, let's be honest with God. He, here's a secret. Look, don't tell anybody I told you this is a secret. God already knows what you think. He does. Right now, he knows what you're thinking. I know you may not believe that. He knows. He is all-knowing. You can't fool him. There's no sense in pretending that, you know, that something about our lives isn't real. There's no sense in saying, well, you know, God, I just I love you and everything's great and I don't need anything. When on the inside, you're all upside down. There's things that you need God to come through for you in. Better to be honest with God and say, Lord, I don't understand why. I don't understand how. I don't, know, I don't know what went wrong. I don't know if maybe I took a wrong way or maybe maybe the enemy. Maybe It doesn't matter at this point. I don't know what's going on, God, but I, I really need your help in this area. And I'm willing to do my part, Lord. Whatever you need me, I'm willing to do my part. But God, even if it don't happen the way I think it should, I'm going to trust you anyway. I'm going to worship you anyway. Even if I don't get the thing that I think I should or how it should happen, I'm going to serve you regardless. It's a matter of a heart thing with God. And so just right where you are, would you close your eyes and bow your heads? And this is the last Sunday of this decade. And I say that with emphasis to say, you know, there may be some things right now you need to just surrender to the Lord. As Christians, I'll pray in a minute. If you're not a believer, I'll pray for you in just a moment and, and pray that you would turn to Christ. But right now I'm talking specifically to you're a Christian, you're here, and you're a believer. <clears throat> and maybe there's been some things that hasn't gone your way. Maybe there's been some seasons. And when I say hasn't gone your way, maybe you're saying, well, Pastor Jody, it's not just one thing. I've got many things that have not gone my way. Okay, well, then let's take this moment right now to give it to God. And whatever it is, I'm going to pray for you, but whatever it is, I want you just to surrender it to the Lord. Don't hide it from God. Don't, don't act like it's not there. Lord, we just come to you in the name of Jesus right now. We, we, we just come before you and we surrender our hearts to you right now. Dear Jesus, we thank you that that you hear us when we pray, first of all, Lord, that you do not turn a deaf ear to us. You do not overlook us. God, we come before you and we acknowledge you as our King, as our Savior. We acknowledge that, Lord, the people then had high expectancy of your arrival. And when you got there, Lord, they were thinking you would be something that you were not. I pray, first of all, for us that are here that if we have our expectations in the wrong place that we think you're going to do something or be something that you didn't intend to be, I ask that you would help us to adjust our expectations. I ask you to help us to adjust what we think about you and how we believe about you. 
Lord, I ask you to help us consider right now, Lord, that maybe, just maybe, you're doing something different that we might not be able to see, something that we can't understand fully. But Lord, we also just submit our hearts to you and say we trust you with this new decade. Lord, we don't know what's going to come. We don't know how the world's going to turn. We don't understand, Lord, all the ins and outs of what might happen in, in our nation or other nations or in our own families. But God, we just ask you right now to help us to simply trust you. To trust you with our lives, to trust you with our families, to trust you with our jobs, to trust you with everything, Lord. Just ask you right now to help us all just take a moment and just surrender anew for a new decade. To let go of everything that's gone on the last few years that maybe are not what you expected. And enter into a new decade with high expectancy in God of what he might want to do and not what we want him to do. So Lord, we ask you to do that in the name of Jesus. We just surrender that to you now, this prayer, this heart of surrender. And all the people that are in here right now, Lord, the things that's on their hearts that they're, they're giving to you right now, Lord. I just pray you take every one of these prayers, every one of these thoughts. And God, you'd help us to move forward in trust and obedience to you. Lord, I pray if there's anybody here today that doesn't know you, I pray they give your, their hearts to you right now. Just with your eyes closed, everybody in this church, they'll pray with you. We pray this every Sunday. And if you're here, you say, hey, I, I, don't, I don't know that I know Jesus, but I want to make this prayer and accept him in my life. Everybody's going to pray this prayer. Would you just repeat this after me right now? Say, dear Jesus, I come to you today and I give you my heart and I give you my life. Jesus, I receive you as my Savior and as my Lord. I ask you to forgive me and to cleanse me. And I thank you today that I am saved in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Man, if you prayed that prayer, we're so proud of you, right, church? Would you give me a hand right now? If today's message blessed you, we want to encourage you to take a moment and share this podcast with a friend. Remember, there's one hope for every heart, and that's Jesus. See you next time.